Hey, good morning. That video, I said it last time, it's just shorter than I'm ready for. The last one was like an epic movie. And that is, uh, it's, it's quick. So, well, thank you for coming this morning. Um, I've got a question for everybody. Do you remember Blockbuster Video? All right. Back when, you know, we used DVDs. We'll explain to you guys what that is sometime, but it's like back when we used to use our phones for talking instead of typing and stuff like that. Anyway, so Blockbuster Video, um, after Kara and I got married in 2002, and we had this Blockbuster Video right by us, and so we would often, we loved movie marathons, and um, there was a Blockbuster Video by us, and so went to this Blockbuster Video one day, and we loved the show, I mean, it's still, I just... I could watch it over and over. The show 24, and we loved 24. So um, we would go to Blockbuster, and we would get each season of 24. And so one day, I went and got 24 from Blockbuster Video. Uh, but there's this thing that happens in our house that usually, I don't know, care how long does it take, maybe 10 minutes into watching a movie, I'm out. I just fall asleep. Um, and so she always has like backup shows or movies to watch when I fall asleep. So she had me pick up um, a movie that she wanted to watch as well this one time at Blockbuster. So I'm at Blockbuster, I find 24, I find what she wanted, which you'll hear about in just a minute. And I get in line and it's a long line. I get up there and the, the cashier, um, she handed me 24, didn't say anything about it. She's just like, okay, that's a five day rental. And then she handed me the movie that I had gotten for Kara, and here's what she said. It was like right when the overhead music of Blockbuster, like one song came to an end, so it was quiet. And I don't know if you've ever been in a room where there are a bunch of people talking, and then their conversations all hit that like awkward silence, so that everybody can hear what's going on in your conversation. And here's what the cashier said. Princess Diaries will be due back on Tuesday at 11 a.m., and like, I could feel everybody's eyes on me, and I was like, it's not mine. <laughs> it's not mine. There was a guy that I knew from the gym, like two people back from me, and this guy and I had like pumped iron together. We talked college football. We talked about steak, and, and I just looked back, and he's like, <laughs> so I get out to the car, and he's walking out too. He's like, have fun with Princess Diaries, Nathan. I was like, she couldn't have said, like, Predator or Terminator or Gladiator is due back on Tuesday. No, it was Princess Diaries. And, and I sat there in the car, and I just thought, how could I allow this to happen? How could I allow this into my life? I mean, why did I not convince my wife that Predator is actually a, a rom-com, a romantic comedy? And, and, and I just thought, it's... It, crept into my life. Princess Diaries has crept into my life. And I tell you that story because as we, we have one more week after this in our series going through Ephesians, but Paul has written this letter to these, this church at Ephesus. And as I look at Ephesus, Ephesus is this town that reminds me a lot, or this city that reminds me a lot of modern day America because it's this economic giant, and it's this commercial um, just centerpiece, and, and everything ran through Ephesus. But it was also very morally bankrupt. And so when Paul was looking at the church of Ephesus, part of this letter to the Ephesians, he said, do not let 
do not let some things creep into your life, like princess diaries, okay? But no, do not let some things creep into your life. He was, he was giving them a reminder. And as I look at this reminder, which we'll look at in just a minute, it surfaced for me a prayer that we ought to pray regularly. That, that just comes out of the passage. But let me start with this reminder. We're, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and Thomas landed at the beginning of 5 last week. Here's what it says. It says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. There are these phrases throughout Scripture that I'm convinced are so, so, so rich that we fly right by. And this is one of them. Did you know that God sees you as a dearly loved child? And Paul says there's an implication of that. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. One of the things Paul would do in his writing is he would make a point and then he explains it. He kind of lines out and details the point he just made. And this is one of those spots. He says, look, if you're a dearly loved child and you're to walk as Christ did, then here's what that's going to mean. And he begins to list some things out for us. He says first, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Now, if you were to look at that list of things, there are probably dozens and dozens and dozens, dozens of things you could add to that list. But as you look at this list of deeds, if you just think about it for a minute, those are deeds that actually take advantage of somebody. When we partake in those, who does that take advantage of? Somebody else. So Paul says, away with it. We shouldn't want to do that because it takes advantage of somebody else. Well, he, he goes on. He says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. See, not only when we do those things that in that list from the previous verse, but when we talk the way he just listed, who does that tear down? Other people. See, Paul's starting to get at a, at a theme here. That we can actually do things as dearly loved children, we could actually do things that take advantage of somebody else. And we could actually talk in ways that tear someone else down. He said, for, for of this you can be sure. No immoral impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater. Who, who, is, who are we making the idol when we take part in those things he listed earlier? Ourselves. And who are we making the idol when we talk the way we talk in the list he, he just listed? Ourselves. He says we actually make, we actually become idols. We become idolaters. He says such a person is an idolater and, and none of them has any inheritance. Isn't that interesting? Could you imagine getting to the kingdom of God, standing before him one day, and there's no inheritance? That'd be miserable. So he says you're actually missing out on something. 
when we take part in these things. Um, such a person is an idolater and has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And then he adds to it. He says, so let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So in our doing, in our speaking, and in our following, he says there are actually people who could look at your way of, of doing these things and go, oh, it's okay, you're fine. And he says, don't be partners with them. Don't be partners with them in light of who you are. And if you're like me, you can read this and go, oh, great. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Yep, messed up, messed up, messed up, messed up. But I don't think that's what Paul's getting at. I think what Paul is trying to get at here is a reminder that he started with. Remember? He said, you are a dearly loved child. God sees you as a dearly loved child. And so Paul, in this, in this little passage here, he says, so examine. Let's examine our living in light of our being. If I'm a dearly loved child, then that affects the way I live. Now, one of the painful reminders of this for me, uh, I was a kid, I was about third or fourth grade. My parents went away for a weekend and they left my sister and I with our neighbors. And um, being, I think I was third grade at the time, being a little boy, um, whenever I got with my friends, you know, when little boys get with their friends, they just get excited, and, and you'll just see all kinds of behaviors come out that you just don't see in front of their parents. Well, one of the things that I loved to do as a third grade boy was um, I'd get with my friends, especially this neighbor, and we, we knew some bad words, and so we would scream bad words, okay? Um, and my dad was a sailor in the Navy and the Coast Guard. He was a double sailor, and he worked on the car a lot. So I knew all the words, okay? And um, now don't judge. This is before he knew Jesus, and I knew Jesus, all right? But my parents went away one weekend, and my friend had their cordless phone out on the driveway. And I was in their house, and he yelled from outside. He was holding this cordless phone. He said, Nathan, pick up the phone inside. And I thought he just... I thought he just wanted me to pick up the phone so that he could say something to me. And uh, so I picked up the phone, and I'm excited, and I'm a third grade boy, and I know all these bad words, so I just started screaming every bad word I knew, because it was fun at the time. And I went for like 30 seconds, and suddenly there's this voice on the other end of the line. It thundered. I mean, Nathan Allen Harrison. I got a question for you. Who is the one person in your life that uses your middle name? Mom, and when does she use your middle name? Oh, when you're in trouble. <laughs> and then she yelled all those words back at me. I'm just kidding, Mom. She's right there. I'm just kidding, Mom. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I did hear about it. But when I got home, you know what's so interesting to me? I mean, the, over the phone, there was the threat of the bar of soap and all that stuff when they got home. But when we got home, you know what she explained to me? You are my son, and you represent this family. There was no, there was no um, shaming. There was no, um, okay, there was punishment. But her reasoning was exactly what Paul's pointing at here. You are my dearly loved child. So don't let this stuff get into your life, because there's something more 
to all of this. And I think this is the reminder that Paul's raising here, is examine your living in light of your being, who you are. But it leads to, it leads to, as I sat with this passage the last few weeks, it led to a prayer that I think just springs out of this passage. And uh, you just got to walk through the next few verses in order to, to arrive at it. Look what he says. He says, verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Can, can I just draw attention to what Paul didn't say here? He didn't say some of you were once darkness. No, this was you plural to, to the church at Ephesus, but also to us. You plural. Us, all of us, were once darkness. And he also did not say you might have been darkness. In other words, like some of you got this figured out and some of you didn't. No, he says every single one of us was once darkness. Well, from there, and, and part of his thrust here, he's trying to guard them from people around them telling them, you're fine, you're okay, keep, keep going the way you're going. He said there might actually be people that tell you this is fine. But he says you no longer are in darkness. You once were darkness. So he goes on, he says, so live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Okay, that's one of those like really big abstract ideas. Find out what pleases the Lord. Like this week, just go and find out what pleases the Lord. It's, it's very abstract and it's very easy to just forget about. How do you find out what pleases the Lord? And I think some of us, we would give, we've been in, been in church so long, we have these church answers, right? I'm going to, well, I'll read my Bible to find that out, which is true. I'll pray. Well, that's true. I'll go to church. I'll try to go to church regularly. And we think it's all about attendance, attendance, attendance. And sure, that's important. But Paul is actually going to raise a different answer in this passage. Yes, all that is true. But Paul says there's another way you discover. There's another way you discover what pleases God. It's in the next verse. He says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather, and there's this really scary word, expose them. Wait, okay, so if my past contains darkness, and he says expose the deeds of darkness, do you know what Paul's asking us to do here? He's saying take a look at your past. Take a look at your past. He says you want to you discover how, what, the, what the light of God's way is, we well, got to expose the darkness of your way. And I've got to expose the darkness of my way. In fact, there was a man in the Bible who they said was a man after God's own heart, King David. In King David, in one of, one of his very well-known psalms, you know what he says? Search me, Lord. Search me, Lord. And that is a scary prayer to pray. Because guess what? God's not going to find out anything he didn't already know. You know who's going to discover something? We are. When you pray that prayer, search me, Lord, we discover something. As we look at our past, we discover something. And that can be a very scary thing to do because of what he says in the next verse. He says this. It is shameful. It is shameful even to mention 
what the disobedient do in secret. Do you know what shame is? Shame is the consequence of having lived in darkness. Shame is the consequence of having lived in darkness for any period of time. And shame is one of those things that when we experience it, it actually is not telling us who we are, it's telling us who we're not. That's what shame does. The problem is we take that further and shame becomes our identity if we let it run. But Paul is about to get at something here because Paul, remember where he started this whole passage? As dearly loved children. Which means that you and I have a heavenly father whose end goal is not to shame us. It is not to shame us. It's something else. Paul is continuing his thought here. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And that's the scary part for us. But he continues, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Did you notice the word he landed on there? Light. What does a light do? What's a light do? It shines. It shines. Oh, yeah. So anyway, um, a light shines. And what Paul's getting at here is he says, you know what? A dearly loved child of God, the end goal is not to be ashamed. It's to shine. It's actually to shine. You see, you and I have a heavenly father who says, I don't want you ashamed. I want you to shine. And so when you root out, when you say, God, search me, when we illuminate our past, you know what he's getting at? I'm getting you to shine. I'm getting you to the place of being able to shine because I want to use your story and I want to use your past and I can turn it all around on a dime and use it for you to shine. One of my favorite examples of this, and, and many of you probably know this story, it's from a movie called Catch Me If You Can, Catch Me If You Can, and it was about a man named Frank Abagnale. Frank Abagnale was a, a widely known, across the globe con man, I believe in the 60s or 70s, and he uh, would assume different identities, he was probably the originator of identity theft, and he just, he swindled so many people out of so much money that when the FBI and foreign governments finally caught up with them. It's really interesting what they did. He was incarcerated for a little bit, but when you look at his list of crimes, he should have been locked up for lifetimes. His total time served in prison was just under three years. Just under three years for all that he did. I mean, he had swindled people and companies out of millions and millions of dollars, which was huge at that time. And when the FBI finally caught up with him, they very literally, you've seen this in movies, in a room interrogating him with a light on him. And after they found out all he did and he confessed to all these things, you know what they said? Not you're going to prison. You know what they said? You want a job? Do you want a job? Frank Abagnale, for the next 35 years of his life, worked for the FBI working to root out the exact thing he had spent the first part of his life doing. See, your heavenly father doesn't want you ashamed. 
He wants you to shine. And so as I looked at this passage these last couple weeks, this, this prayer just emerged out of this passage to me that I just want to teach you. It's a very simple prayer, but I believe it's one that God answers every single time we pray it. And it's simply this. Illuminate my yesterday so I can live your way today. Illuminate my yesterday so I can live your way today. Because you know where God wants to start? He wants to start with your story. This is why you hear about somebody's testimony. Because the most powerful thing you could share with somebody is how God took your darkness and turned it into light. And he does something with it. But if we don't know that story, then then we're stuck. And so, illuminate my yesterday so I can live your way today. And the beauty of that prayer is honestly anybody could pray that prayer. We have people in here that don't consider themselves followers of Jesus. And yet if you pray that prayer, he'll answer it. He'll say, look, I can, I can show you so much about your life. You have your version of your life, but your heavenly father looks at your life and he says, but you're a dearly loved child. And so what you think you've walked through, well, I have a purpose for it. I have a purpose for it, but I need to show you first so that you can turn and shine to others. And for those who consider themselves followers of Christ for any amount of time, this is the prayer David prayed. Even after he came into a relationship with the Lord, he said, search me. Lord, search me, because if there's something I don't see, if there's something in darkness, search me so I can turn and be used by you. And as Paul walks through just a handful more of verses, I believe in a very practical, applicable way, we see exactly what God does when we pray this prayer. Look at this. Verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Do you want to live with wisdom? Yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer for all of us. We want to live with wisdom. So Paul would say, so pay attention to what comes next. Making the most of every opportunity. I actually love the King James version of this verse because uh, while the New International that we're reading out of says making the most of every opportunity, the King James says redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. See, in those days, they were living in some very evil times. Um, all we got to do is look around. We are living in some evil times. But God wants to redeem the time. And you know where he wants to start? By redeeming you and me. And so he says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so it raises the first thing God does when we pray this prayer. It helps us seize opportunities. You want to know one of your greatest opportunities right now? We have Donate One every single month at the church. This month, we're buying Starbucks gift cards for the faculty at Columbine High School. Every single high school in this area has a church that is supporting them. Telling the teachers, thank you, we appreciate what you're doing, and so we have Columbine High School. There's an opportunity this month to buy a gift card for a teacher at Columbine, $10. You can bring those in. There's also an entire foyer out there right now this morning. This morning's our ministry fair. Do you want an opportunity? There are dozens of opportunities out in this foyer. 
And so Paul says the first thing that happens when you ask God to illuminate your past so that you can see his way is we seize opportunities. Well, he continues. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So not only do we seize opportunities, but we see his desires, not ours. We see his desires, not ours. And I'm convinced that is the benefit of searching our past. That what at one time looked so good to us, you know what, you do that long enough and you get really, really sick of it. Really sick of it. There's a proverb that says, to the full, even honey is bittersweet. Because the writer of Proverbs knew that there are some things that we take part in that will eventually become bitter to us. And that's true of the darkness of our past as well. So we seize the opportunities. We see his desires. Paul goes into a third thing. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I first read that, the whole singing thing, we did that note matching thing a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I tried to skip over this verse, but I couldn't skip over this verse. But it's interesting to me the example he highlights. He says, don't talk to each other like a drunk talks to people. When you think about a drunk person, it's very dull thinking. And it lacks restraint. And oftentimes, I think one of the things that Paul's highlighting here is that's how we talk to one another. We speak to one another with obscenity, coarse joking, and we tear one another down. And Paul says, no. No, actually, you, and this is, the, this is, I think, the beauty of this church. And, and um, he, he mentions psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I, in the office, get to see how much every single week Steve Burns and Kim work on the music in this place. And I see the, uh, the choir practice. I know how much they work. And I know how much the praise band works on this music. And honestly, a performance is kind of the last thing on their minds. You know what every single person who's part of all that wants to do is equip us with language for how we speak to one another and our Heavenly Father. And he lands on there with thank you. And so if it hasn't been said to Steve and to Kim and to our praise band and to our choir, thank you for equipping us. Because in the course of one day, I don't dare sing them, but there are lyrics from hymns and there are lyrics from the praise music that we do that will run through my mind that I think I've got to go say something to somebody or I've got to say something to you, Heavenly Father. And they're equipping us with language for how to speak to one another. So we seize opportunities when we pray that prayer. We see our Heavenly Father's desires and we speak life-giving words to one another. Well, there's one more piece that Paul highlights. It's a very simple sentence and it's verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So as the band comes up here for one last song before we close, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That word submit is not a comfortable word for any of us. But you want to know what it boils down to? 
is that we could look at one another and say, what do you need? What do you need? I'm yours. What do you, what do you need? Because ultimately, that is what our Savior did for us. He saw what we needed at the deepest of levels, and he came to serve that need. And all that, all that takes place as a result of praying one simple prayer. Heavenly Father, illuminate my way. So illuminate my yesterday so I can live your way today. And so we will, we will close in prayer right after this song, but thank you for being here this morning.